Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. I am your host, Louis McCaffrey, and this week I am joined for the first, you know, first podcast of the new season because the new season has officially, officially started now that we are we are uh, we are recording, and uh, I've got the best panel possible. It's Christopher Samani. Louis, you are correct. What a panel! I'm absolutely overjoyed to be on with uh, two of the finest guests and probably the finest host on the Ninety Minute Cynic. On the pod of the proletariat. Thank you. Team, uh, you got that well done. Nice. Uh, team Handsome, uh, the captain of Team Handsome, it's uh, Stuart Duggan. Hello, Louis. Thank you very much for having me on this historic podcast, quite frankly, as we go for a historic 10 in a row. Absolutely. And vice captain of Team Handsome, uh, no offence, Alan, but it's Alan Edgar. I'm very happy with that introduction, Louis. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Um, how are we all doing, first off? Everybody well? Stuart, how are you? How, medically, how are you? Uh, I'm medically under the weather, but uh, the, they say that the perfect medicine um, for what I have is some good old-fashioned Celtic chat, so hopefully this will ail me. Celtic chat and cream. Uh, how's everybody else? Perfectly. How are you? How am I? Thanks for asking. I'm tickety-boo, aye? Tickety-boo, looking forward to the football. Although I must say I've been like constantly looking up like it's been a busy day in terms of uh, transfer speculation. I've been constantly looking for uh, for information about players that we're being linked with, which is uh, which is going to be a good place to start. Obviously, this is the first podcast, you know, before all the excellent, wonderful Patreon podcasts came about under the ninety minutes umbrella. I mean, it really is the greatest Patreon you've ever listened to in your life. Um, but before that, there was just this little podcast and once a week we used to talk about the football and, and the games that had gone by and the games were coming up and that's what we're back to on the Cynic Weekly. Um, we, and believe it or not, we're, yeah, we're going for 10 in a row this season, which still, to me, feels kind of a bit surreal. But we're going to come on to the start of the season, preview the season ahead um, and especially talk about the fact that it's the 10th season um, shortly. But first, we are going to start with the signing news because we've been... We've been struggling for content for quite some time. Um, there's not been much concrete, but in the last kind of 24 hours, um, Big K Dev, Devolino, uh, broke the news that we are signing uh, Barkas. We are actually going to sign the, the goalkeeper from Greece uh, that we've been kind of talking about a wee bit. Um, but obviously, it looks as if he's on the way. He should be arriving today at some point, tonight, um, and a medical tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Um I think it's in the region of about, I think it works out to be about 6 million uh, euros um, in that kind of area. How do we feel about it, first off? I mean, personally, I'm delighted. I think when we knew that Fraser Foster wasn't going to be um, kind of coming back or he was a bit unsure about it, of the names that have come up, the Joe Hearts, for example, um, when this boy came up and, and everybody went on YouTube to have a look at him, he looks good. He's twenty six. Um, we're not paying a you know we're paying a decent amount of money, but you know we're not breaking the bank. There's possible resale value in there. It looks like a good signing. Yep, it does. I, I think it's I, I think it's great news. I, I'm absolutely delighted with it, and I'm glad it's happened quickly. Um, I think this is the best profile of goalkeeper you could probably get. Um, obviously. There's the Fraser Foster thing, but you can't sit and wait. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about this. You, you need to just, um, if he's not going to sign, we can't really go 10 games into the season and wait for the the last minute for Fraser Foster. So 
I'm pleased they went out and, and bought what is probably one of the most most promising goalkeepers in Europe. Um, 26 years old, just about to kind of get towards you know his peak, maybe around 28. So um, there's a huge upside to this deal. Um, and I think the only thing, the only question mark over is just how how he settles um, in Glasgow because he's got everything else. You know, his ability is very good. His numbers are excellent. Um, he's a really good all round goalkeeper, um, and he's got some. He does have a really fantastic highlight reel. Um, and even when you dig a wee bit deeper than that, and you kind of watch a lot of his footage, um, you know, in a wee bit more detail, it, it, it really passes the test. And I know it's one that Celtic have been watching for a long time, so. I think this is as good a profile goalkeeper as you can get. And I think, as you say, Louis, there's definite resale value there, which is a, a huge thing, obviously, for Celtic in the model that we operate under. So I'm really pleased that we've done it and I'm happy that it's happened or, or it will hopefully go through before our first competitive game of the season as well. I think the most important thing, um, sorry, Stuart, I'll let you in a wee okay, second. Um, I think uh, the most important thing you touched on it there, Alan, was that we did it quickly because the Forsters, the Forster. Um, scenario could have quickly became one of our transfer sagas. Now, some people might have wanted to wait and give him as much time as possible because we know what he can do in the nets, but it's clear that we're not in a position to do that and the club's kind of struck, which is something that some of us were maybe concerned they wouldn't do. Now, I haven't, I haven't taken a deep dive, shall we say, in his, his form around like that. I've looked at his YouTube video and he's certainly, certainly impressed in that. Caveat being, there's a lot of players that impressed in their YouTube video and it isn't always the case. But even if you're just looking at it superficially, it does tick the boxes. He's 26, Greek international, coming from a reasonably big club. We've seen him in action against us before. Um, and it's a fairly hefty transfer fee, not astronomical, but you need to pay that a certain amount of money to get a certain amount of quality. So even right away when we're linked with him, you thought this is the sort of player that we should be in for. And that's without kind of going further in, which I'm sure Alan has and other people have done. But it was I was quite impressed that we've gone out and done it. Okay, it's not official yet, but a lot of channels are saying that it's going to be. So um, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I think uh, I'm glad that we recognised we need a goalkeeper for uh, in the first instance, and we've just gone out and done it. So yeah, good bit of business, hopefully. Yeah, I, I was just going to echo those sentiments. Really, that I think that. One of the big concerns that a lot of Celtic fans had was that the board were going to try and, you know, not spend any money or try and take cheap options or cheaper avenues. And when you talked about the likes of Joe Hart being out of contract or the likes of David Marshall perhaps becoming available, that was a genuine debate and a genuine concern that that was how surreal you're talking about going for 10 in a row, but how surreal is it going for 10 in a row with David Marshall in goals? So the fact that the club have been willing to pay that, and as Alan said, I think Kieran was... Um, referring to it on the agenda yesterday on the Patreon that um, the club have been watching him for a couple of seasons now. So it's not a complete unknown quantity, which was certainly a concern that I'd had prior to that information that, you know, yes, he looks good on paper. Yes, he's got a good YouTube compilation, but do the club actually know that much about him or have they just been caught short with the Fraser Forster situation? But I think it's just reassuring that there is a level of planning at board level perhaps that maybe we don't always give Celtic credit for uh, and I think getting him in before the first competitive game obviously it would have been great to have him there to, to try and you know get settled for these pre-season friendlies but if you can't then it's definitely better to give him in now before the, the fixtures start to come thick and fast with Europe and stuff like that Well as you say like the club have been looking at him since we played them um, in the uh, 
in the games a, a few years ago. But the other thing is that Nick Hammond apparently is a big fan of him, and Nick Hammond himself used to be a goalkeeper. Um, and he's kind of kept an eye on him recently, um, separate from uh, Celtic, obviously. So it's quite interesting that the two have both been looking at him, came together, and the deal's been done. I think there's a lot to be excited about. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, quite rightly, like maybe some man would say, you know, it's not Scott Bain. Thank God it's just not Scott Bain. But, I, you know, we could easily have got someone else that just wasn't Scott Bain but wouldn't have this much kind of potential I suppose one thing someone I see you wanting in there but one thing I was going to ask Alan is if you've maybe seen more of them than maybe just the YouTube the kind of YouTube highlights because a lot of the YouTube highlights is just shot stopping was you know does he look like a commanding figure in the box is he someone that's going to come out and try and catch things or you know because that's maybe some criticism that people have had of, of possibly Fraser Foster at times yeah, but well, I was going to kind of before we kind of moved on. I was going to say that I think there's the potential here that you know, without sounding like a you know a scorned wife, there's a potential of Celtic getting the best of both worlds here. We had Fraser Foster for last year, and he had what was an absolutely incredible season for us, and we obviously will cherish that for a very very long time that season. But also, it would have been a very very expensive deal for us to do, and the player was undecided about coming back. We've now gone and got a player that's about to enter his peak years with a really strong European profile with a lot to prove and a deal that I wouldn't imagine is going to cost a significant amount of wages each week. And I think there's a huge upside to him. I really think this is a this is as much as you can put into a signing in terms of research, time, money. I think this is as good a deal Celtic could probably have got in the goalkeeper market. And, and as you say, he probably is hes slightly more commanding around the box. He, he's not a goalkeeper. He's not a sweeper-keeper type. You know, you don't expect him coming out and, you know, playing like Manuel Neuer. He, he's absolutely not that type at all. He's probably very a traditional type of goalkeeper in that he, he is commanding around the box, but he, he tends to probably stay at home more than, you know, to try and come out and be a bit wild. And to be honest, it's a wee bit more of the same. Um, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of similarities in terms of how he plays. I think he's very experienced. He, he, he doesn't, and I don't want to say something that is going to be replayed six months down the line and, and, and regret. But he's not the type of go- he's not rash. You know, he doesn't make wild decisions. And I think for a goalkeeper, don't get me wrong, we all like like remembering Boruk and what an incredible goalkeeper he was. But this guy seems like he's very, very level-headed and is going to come in and hopefully just pick up where Foster left off. So. I do think there's a real upside to it, so I'm really optimistic. He's not likely to try and kung fu kick anybody, which, which is obviously going to be a plus. So, Manny, what were you going to say? I'm just going to dial back a bit. You talk take, us, a, take us back. What about Nick Hammond being a goalkeeper? Mm-hmm. I don't know how relevant that is. David Ike was a goalkeeper, for instance. So, um, we'll put that to one side. And secondly, don't you try and say, some Manny said anyone but being you through being under the bus. I did, I did, I did. They're on record. So you, along with me, and a few others, may have said that. Thank you. Um, we, we, were also, we also found out yesterday that we are supposed to be, although there's a wee bit of doubt this evening as to whether the deal's going to go through, but we have been linked for over the past week with a move for... Now, I'm going to... I know this isn't how you pronounce his name, but it's the most obvious mispronunciation that I could go with. Ajeti? from West Ham. Uh, a striker, used to play for Basel with El Yunusi, um, 
and signed for West Ham for eight million. Um, it's not worked out for him there in the course of last season, and they are wanting to put him out on loan. And it's understood that we had agreed a deal to take him on loan for the season, and we had a, um, a kind of buy clause of five point five million, I think it was, or run about that. Um, I think a lot of people last night when the news came that you know. Firstly, Barkas was going to be signing and this uh, boy, Ajeti, the striker as well. Everything was very, very positive. It's been thrown into a wee bit of doubt tonight and on his social media, he is still in Switzerland, so it doesn't look as if this has got a flight tonight. Um, it's unlikely that he's going to be in for his medical tomorrow. There was a prominent uh, West Ham account on Twitter saying that he is unsure about whether he wants to come. Um Thoughts on it? Does anybody know much about him? And, and, you know, us bringing in another striker, does that make you worry that it's because Eddie leaving? Or, you know, is it just good to... Because I, I kind of think, you know, for what for the season that it is, you know, stockpile strikers. Like, was it, was it matter? Well, I mean, okay, we could maybe get one in and, and have Bio go out and loan. But I think having four, even five, you know, strikers, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, I think um, the nature of the structuring of the deal doesn't necessarily imply that it means Edward's off. I think that, if anything, it's it's more similar to the deal that Edward came to Celtic with, where you had a season-long loan or an 18-month loan, I think it was, that he was on before uh, Celtic had to actually commit to anything. Um, I agree with you that I think that um, having extra striking options is good, especially when... I joke about it a lot, but it doesn't look like Bio's really going to work out. And it maybe would work better for him to go out on loan. Uh, there are some corners of the internet writing off poor Patrick Clamalla already, um, which I think is a bit harsh. I think he's... he's name and shame, sure. Name and shame. I won't name and shame. I think it'll be... He's reached his peak at 21, I think. Yeah, poor guy. Only only scored three goals in pre-season and he's getting slated and written off. But, you know, if you want competition, if, if Neil Lennon wants to have the option of playing a 3-5-2, you want to have realistically four fit and firing strikers that you can come on in any combination so that if you have injuries, suspensions, etc., then you're not worrying where the goals are going to come from in the team. And also, I think that Celtic have been like with a lot of strikers is this continuing talk about this Tony boy from, is it Peterborough? Um, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Are you laughing at me because I've, I've made a conversation there around? No, I just like the idea of a striker being called Tony boy. Sounds like something I probably used to play fives with. Yeah, he's, he's in the bean Tony, but I don't know. Um, anyway, we've been linked with a lot of strikers. Ajeti, from what I'm told um, by Celtic pundits, is that he can play out right as well. So it just offers a little bit of depth or maybe a little bit of competition for Forrest as well. So I think that if we can get it through, as you say, Lou, it looks like there's maybe been a wee wrinkle here or there, but maybe it is just a, a case of it's, it's going to take a day or two to come through. I think just a, just a very quick point on it. I don't think it says anything about Edward staying. I'm confident he will. I think it says more about us playing two up front going forward. Um, and Stu's right, you need four strikers pretty much to do that. Bio isn't one of them. So if you've got Eddie Griffiths, who seems to be right back into the good books after after the game yesterday um, in Clamalla, we're going to need another player. Um, and I think a jetty or... Um, Tony or in fact there was another there was a, a Union Berlin striker we were linked yeah, with as well. Sebastian Anderson. Yep. Yeah. It looked looks as if we're clearly looking to get another player in at least um to have four people competing for, I would say two. That that that's the way it seems to me. 
Um, but you know, time will tell. But it, it's 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 certainly is that, is that what your sources are telling you, Samani? Eh? It's not some poxy West Ham account that you're getting all worried about. You know, um, I have heard that the um, a deal is possible, <laughs> and that you can have a medical in Switzerland if need be. We'll see. What, what percentage would you put it on, Samani? 48, 49. Heard it here first. But anyway, you heard it here first. I, I think coming in on that, I think obviously the, the, the great name, Odson Edward, was mentioned there. I, I really think of all the potential outgoings this year, I think it's absolutely unfathomable that you sell Odson Edward this year. And that's whether or not he signs a new contract. I think I speak for probably most Celtic fans when we say, I really don't care. See if, if he's only got a year and you get slightly less money for him. I know that that might not be shared um, throughout. You know, people understand that there's a model. You move players on. Couldn't care less. This, this season's too important. Um, Champions League qualification's too important. That's before you even think about winning a league. So um, I think it is important you get another strike. In. Um, and, and I think, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll be that guy. I think it might be a Yeti. So I'll go a Yeti and Stu and Louis can go a Jetty. Do you like a Yeti? Do you like what you've seen of him, Alan? Because obviously there's quite a lot of clips of him playing well, you know, saying it, and it, comes, it seems, you know, seems sensible if the two of them have linked well in the past. Um, why not? Yeah, I spent quite a lot of time watching him today. Um, and just as I kind of finished watching most of the, the stuff on Scout about him, um, that's when the West Ham account then broke the news that there might be a wrinkle in the deal. Um it looks like the kind of player that we we wouldn't be able probably to afford. But I think this is that prime market now of players from Europe, maybe the not elite level European leagues going to England and not working out because it is a league that you just do not get time. We think we write players here off quickly. He's very, very, he's had about, I think, 190 minutes of English league football this season. And most of them were substitutes appearances at, you know, it's not enough Easy. time to, to get in. And I think you get two cup games. Um, and West Ham is an absolute, it's a deathbed for strikers. You know, it really, really is. So I think it's a good market for us. I think it looks like a great deal. And this element of now the player maybe being a little bit unsure of the, the move. I, I think this is a this is where Celtic, I think, need to maybe put a lot of time and effort into now attracting the player. It's one thing saying, you know, there's Champions League football. I think if you can get him here and show him around, you know, show him the facilities that we have, show him Celtic Park, attract him to the club and maybe let him have a look at the, the quality of player that we have here. You know, obviously, Noel, you know, say, but I don't know what, what, how far that connection goes, you know, just because they're teammates. They, you know, I don't know how, how friendly they are, but if you can get the player here, I think that's a really big step because what you want to do is attract him. You want to sell him on the club. I, I think that the big issue might be if Celtic's option on him, you know, this potential five million pounds that, that we can pay. I think that might be the only thing that he's maybe concerned about. Uh, if he's coming for a one year on loan, that's one thing he can get himself back in track, put him in the short window. I think then if you have the option, I think he would like the, the option whether he can accept the move or not at the end of the, the, the loan deal. So I would imagine there's quite a bit to be worked out there, but Hopefully, we are able to get over the line. If it's Celtic or West Brom, let's be honest. I mean, I'd, I'd really like to think that we can fend off West Brom. 
just from what I've seen of him, he seems like quite, uh, you know, a lot of the goals that you see in his YouTube clips are kind of in the penalty box. Um, and he looks quite good in the air as well, quite a few headers and things like that. He, 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 a lot of the time he scores almost like kind of scruffy goals, but, you know, he gets them in and he, and he scores those goals, those kind of, you know, they're not always the most kind of beautiful goals to score, but he obviously is very effective. I mean, is that what Eddie needs? I mean, Eddie likes to come deep, so he, he doesn't necessarily want to be in the penalty box. Is it a good foil for him if we are going to play too? I, I think what Eddie does really well is, and, and this is something that you, you will see, you know, if you do get a chance to look at him or hopefully we get to watch him this season, is he, he doesn't tend to stay, he doesn't like to pick up the ball and take three, four touches. He tends to like to drag a defender and drop it off and then try and spin. He is always on the move. You know, he's he's very quiet. He's not particularly, uh, you know, he's not an extremely tall guy. He likes to be in and around the box. He likes to find pockets of space. So he might find that a wee bit of a challenge at first, you know, because teams, you know, a lot of the footage you watch, teams are pressing high, they're chasing him in. You might not find it if you're at home at Hamilton, Motherwell, they're, they're not going to go and get attracted to the halfway line. But he's good enough on both sides of the ball. Um, he does score a lot of scruffy goals, but it's because he finds space. But if you want to get excited about his finishing and the, the, maybe the ceiling that the guy's got, he scores a goal. I think it's against, I think it's FC Zurich. Um, he scores a, a goal in this game and the finish is exquisite. Um, lobs a goalkeeper into the side net and it's genuinely an absolutely exceptional I, finish. And he's, I saw that. He, there, was a, there was a couple of, kind of highlights of goals where he chipped the keeper. I mean, I'm all, I'm all for a wee chip. It, it just looks to me like he's... He's got a really, really high level ability. And you know, I think we talked in the reaction at the weekend about, see when a, a, a quality player comes in and, you know, he comes in and he trains with guys like Edward, El Yunusi, it just raises everybody's level. And I think if they're able to do that and achieve this kind of double deal with a top, you know, high profile goalkeeper and uh, an, an exceptional quality in a Yeti, I really think it would give everybody a real boost. Obviously, it's given the fans a boost. But the players, it just lifts everybody's levels and it, and it lets everybody know what the standard is. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen very much of them, but the model you described about players that excel perhaps in the Swiss League or in the Austrian League and the Scandinavian League, who then maybe get the skip clubs maybe at our level, if you will, and go on to the Premier League. Normally the lower uh, reaches of the Premier League where they're trying to take a punt and then they don't get a chance. I mean, El Yunusi is a perfect example. He's a guy that put us to the sword. We've seen how good he was. We, he got priced out of our market, but then when he became available, you knew what level he would be at. He's maybe not going to be the upper echelons of it, but you know, given a chance in the right conditions, that you can bring him in and he can make a huge difference to our team. And yet he seems as if he's exactly in the same mould as it. And... When you found out where he, when I found out where he came from and the, the the position he found himself in, I immediately thought this is the sort of guy that we can exploit in terms of um, exploit. Maybe the wrong word. Ah, that's a bit rude. Eh? <laughs> it's the sort of market we can exploit in terms of giving um, guys like this a good platform to show what he's capable of, um, and we'll definitely benefit on that. It's probably a level above what we could normally buy. So despite the fact I've not seen too much of them other than the, the YouTube highlights, I'm pretty excited about it, assuming um, that 48-49% chance that he comes in 
as accurate, which I led to believe it is. Just on that as well, like of the three guys that we've talked about, the three names we've mentioned here, Sebastian Anderson, Ivan Tony, and um, Ayeti, he is, I would look and say by far, he is the one that has the, the, the potential to play at the highest level. Um, Sebastian Anderson's done really, really well to get where he is in his career. Um, and I can understand now why he's getting linked away to a higher level club. And Ivan Tony's scoring record is, is very, very good as well. But yet he's just got a bit more. You know, he's, he's 23 years old as well. Anderson's 29. I think Tony's 24. Ayeti will get to a higher level, but he just needs to, as, as you've said, Samani, he just needs to maybe f- keep getting that experience and, and take a slight step up, you know. And, and I think once he does that, then he might be able to get back to that level of that kind of, you know, 8th to, to 16th in the Premier League. I think he's more than capable of playing at that level, but he just needs to get there. Um, and sometimes that journey is a wee bit longer. I mean, we, we might... You know, we might be made to look stupid tomorrow when the deal's called off and all that. But I mean, let's assume the Barkas is in. Let's assume that um, the Ayeti or Ajeti, or whoever we pronounce it, let's say that he's in. That's Moy and them two in three signings um, for this season. Um, we've strengthened. Obviously, we've got a new number one, which was the main priority. I think everybody would agree. We've now strengthened up top um, for possible playing with two up top where's the rest of the priorities now after we've I mean we've had all our, our pre-season games and I, I very quickly want to touch on um, the Hibs game um, but I mean where are the priorities what do we need first off and then what would you like I think the obvious one in terms of needs now that you've got a goalkeeper satisfied is, is left back whether that's to be a first choice or for competition for Greg Taylor um Bolingolis, you know, we've talked about that week on week now. That he's either not fancy, that he's not consistent enough to do the job, and also that within the club, perhaps Greg Taylor's not seen as the sexiest option, but the best of a bad lot. I think you saw over the weekend that when Greg Taylor went off, and you're basically asking a young boy to come in that doesn't play left back to fill in there, it shows perhaps that's where you're weakest, or at least the squad's thinnest. But speaking of the Hibs game, I know a lot of people were concerned about the depth of the squad, but I thought there was a a lot of promising performances yesterday that would show that if called upon domestically, there are players there that could absolutely do a job. Whether or not the club will commit to that, that's more of a an overall philosophy that I'm not sure that they will, just given it's such an important season. But the likes of Dembele, Luke O'Connell, Robertson, Welsh, these sorts of players have shown that, I mean, it wasn't a bad Hibs team they played yesterday and, and they were very, very competitive and they all had very good performances. So, Perhaps you are only one or two positions short, left back being the priority, uh, and then probably depth and centre half as well, I would say. I would, I would probably agree with that as well. I think, um, you know, I was I had a look at the t- the, the squad today and, and, you know, especially the players that had um, played so well. I mean, I, I didn't actually get to see the Hibs game and I was trying to find a... Um, trying to find highlights or a replay of it today and I couldn't find them but um, by all accounts Luke O'Connell came in and was was very good I was listening to the reaction sounded very positive you know you've got players like that who have not featured yet and yet they've came in now, fair enough it's a pre-season game and they're playing within a second st- string Celtic team and they're playing against Hibs 
you know, they would have to prove it on on a, a, the proper stage in terms of the league. And whether they would get that opportunity, I don't know. But the likes of Sorrow, the likes of Luke O'Connell, the likes of Robertson, um, Welsh at centre-half, as you say, you know, it does give you a wee bit more food for thought. But there's a lot of people that just think, you know, you simply cannot give these players a chance. You can't rely on them for even a couple of games during the season because of the season that it is. Is that fair? I think the Lennon's job this season is to win the league, right? And he's going to do that as risk-free as possible. Now, somebody like Frimpong came through last season and just grabbed that position by the scruff of the neck and made it his. You don't see anything in any of those players that suggests that they're definitely going to do that. What I will say is, I don't think a lot of these guys will start, but is there not going to be more substitutes? Is there not going to be a change to the the, the amount of substitutes and the players we've got? Yeah, so you're allowed five subs, but I, I'm not sure of that either. Does that mean that you can have more players on the bench then? I think there is. Sorry, maybe I'll... I think it's nine players on the bench and five subs. So now you're going to see Connell in particular, for instance. I mean, you looked, you know, from the bit the bit that I've seen of him in terms of some of the 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 the, the replays and things like that, he looked really cultured. Do you know he, he, he good with the ball, not prepared to always take the easy option. Sometimes he would draw he would draw a defender and maybe look to play a pass that was a wee bit more risky, but it was always a calculated risk. It wasn't um, it, it wasn't just gung ho, if you will. Now a guy like O'Connell, is he going to break into that midfield right away? No. But start of a league against Hamilton, all things going well. Say we're three, four up. Um, bring on a Connell just to see the game out. You know, passes to, to run them off. These are the sort of games where you might see them. If there's more scope for more substitutes, if we've got games won, you might see more guys coming on just to kind of get um, kind of minutes into their legs. So. I don't think I don't see any of these guys ready to grab a place in the team and take out something that's already established. But I do think in certain fixtures that you might see them a bit more later in the game because of the rule changes. I, I think you know a number of these, the guys that were mentioned there, um, particularly um, you know maybe Kerr McEnroy, um, I think Luca Connell, Jonathan Athalabi, Leo Connor. I, I really think these guys because of the unique situation that we're in at the moment, I think they will inevitably be out on loan um, within the next couple of weeks. I think there's real scope there for potential other sides in Scotland, um, probably Premier League teams in Scotland, to be taking those players on loan because the the likelihood of them getting game time is, is very, very slim. And obviously there's the concern over whether they're going to have development games. Um, to play, or, or certainly a development league to play in. So, I, I think the you'll see probably four or five guys going loan before the end of the window. But the points that Manny raises about the substitutes, I think the one element or, or the one real advantage that will give Celtic, and, and probably to a certain extent Rangers as well. But you know, it's not really my interest. I think what it will do is see if we are struggling. So, so Manny used the example of Hamilton at the weekend. If we're struggling against Hamilton, which I really hope isn't the case, Neil Lennon's got a lot more scope, though, to use his bench. You know, 
an extra two substitutes takes away the concern of making early substitutions because then if you get an injury, that's almost entirely removed now by having five substitutes. And that's why a lot of people are against it because they feel it gives bigger clubs an advantage. And it probably does. But if you've got a stacked bench, you know, you look at and Cham not able to get into the starting lineup, um, Tom Rogic not able to get into the starting lineup, potentially Clamala Griffiths, you know, it does give you a lot of options. You know that you can change a game if it's maybe not going your way, and I think if you Johnny Hayes on the bench as well, obviously, absolutely, always Johnny's faithful to the cause. He'll, he'll definitely be back. I, I I think that's something that if we are struggling in games this year, I don't think Neil Lennon is going to sit on the side and wait till seventy five minutes because the eleven he picked at the start he feels is the best. I think you could see raft of changes, three changes at half time because he is not impressed and he knows that he's got proper talent in the sidelines, and that's why I like to see this week a real urgency in getting talent in because you know two would be great tomorrow but I, I still think that there's scope for another two at least first team players or first team level players to come in because I think a lot of these young guys the reality is they're, they're, they're not going to they're not going to be there in five six weeks they're, they're going to be going on loan so that they can continue their development elsewhere because there doesn't there, there isn't game time for them here in the first team or even in the development team. I definitely agree with you that you are going to see a lot of the young boys going out on loan. I think what will be interesting is to see who stays and who Lennon has felt that he could utilise. And I think that one of, maybe it's controversial, maybe it's a bit of a punt, but I think that this could be a season that you see a lot more of Karamoko Dembele because when you're talking about trying to break down teams, everything that he offers you is just, it's just that, it's just that ability to, get past a man or play in a pass. He's he's brave. He's got this sort of youthful arrogance to him. The only thing that I was concerned about, and I guess would have been a concern from the little that we've seen of him in the past, whether it was the game he played against Hearts or particularly away at Cluj when he just looked like physically he was going to struggle. I actually thought that he, he stood up to the physicality of the game yesterday very well. I think that he has to expect, and I'm sure he's well used to it now, as being notoriously this prodigious chat talent, just getting booted up and down the air. But I thought that he looked was prepared. It, was it for right that he was playing through the middle, Stuart? Is that right? He, he they switched it up in the second half. He started out on the right, but then he kind of played through the middle a bit more. But he looked like not that he could handle himself as if he's he's a tough guy, but just that he was completely ex- accepting that he was going to get fouled. And I think that Alan, maybe you'd pointed out in a, f- a few reactions ago, one of the early preseason friendlies. One of the important things to look at is how does he react to that? Does he does he stamp his feet and does he huff? It was like absolutely not. He gets back up every single time and just accepts that he's going to be targeted like that. But I think that he could become invaluable in terms of breaking down stubborn defenses. And it, it is a luxury if if it's a fourth or fifth substitute. So I suspect that he might be one of the ones that sticks around. I think that, I think the point that you're making there, Stuart, is the right one. It will be interesting to see who stays because. I haven't really given it as much thought. It's in terms of the point you're making, Alan, about if we're struggling against teams, we've got more scope to make changes. But the fact of the matter is, what some of those players are going to have to be youth players because you could stack that bench, but you could stack it with guys like Bio, who, frankly, you know, no harm to him, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. Doesn't seem as if he's going to meet meet muster. Now, it's a young player in their development squad. You would need to develop. You would need to kind of weigh up or. Lennon would need to weigh up. Is it better to get this guy 20, 25 games this season on loan to a Premier League club or get him on and give him 5, 10 games over the course of the season in certain scenarios where we're, we're going to get it? But I think you'll see Lennon will have to make a choice. 
which of those guys has the potential to impact Premier League games for us this season. Uh, and over the course of the next five or six weeks, as we say, that'll be interesting to see who he picks. Dembele's a wee bit different. See if you just took him on his merits. I, I think a guy of his talent, you know, it's really, really, um, really exciting. But you see what a, a guy of Ayer's talent was a year away did for him. Because of the hype around Dembele, it might be that he doesn't go on loan, even though that might be the best thing for his development. Um, but we'll see. There's still a thing about him in terms of his height and, and his stature. Is that going to be enough? Boy, he's certainly got the ability. That's that's what you can see. But um, I'll certainly be kind of keeping an eye on who goes and who stays because um, it, you know, it, it could be down to that. Can they impact at all over the course of the season? The only other thing with Dembele specifically is that there were some concerns that he's maybe not quite as willing to do the work going back the way. Um, which has kind of been the knock on him. Obviously, he's still very much at a, de- a developmental stage. I just think that if, if you think back to the, the treble, treble cup final, I know that he was only really listed on the bench probably for experience and to be a part of such an occasion. But the fact that Lennon at the time, you know, push comes to shove, maybe he would have been called upon in such a, such a, yeah, all right, Christopher Gallagher Messins and he tracked back a lot versus Hibs. I kind of feel like I acknowledged that. I'm sorry if I didn't fully acknowledge that. Um, but yeah, I think that Lennon maybe has like a bit of faith in him or, or maybe he feels protective of him and that he that, that Celtic are best to manage his development and not send him out on loan where you don't know how he's going to be treated or how, how he's going to be coached. I, I just think the, the last thing as well, um, whilst we're kind of talking about this subs issue because there's, a, there's some changes coming this year. Obviously, the, the managers will have to get used to I think what we're seeing just now is a lot of guys getting used. I think what you'll see in the first six weeks, though, is I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if Sunday against Hamilton, Neil Lennon doesn't use five subs. I wouldn't be surprised if he used less than three. I think what you'll see when we go to competitive games is going back to the policy that has Neil Lennon has always kind of stuck by. He doesn't gift game time. He's never done it doesn't do it because he thinks a player could do it. They only get game time under Neil Lennon if he thinks that A, working hard enough and B, they're good enough to be on the park. And, and I really think that come Sunday, you'll see that. And it doesn't matter. It's not football manager. It's not a case of, well, I've got three more subs to use and there's only 10 minutes left. Taking Scott Brown off for 10 minutes isn't going to be the difference between whether he's fit again for the following week or whether he's fit for midweek. I think you'll only see guys get game time off the bench, even if it is two or three minutes, if he thinks they've earned it. And it then keeps that thing about almost having a you know a carrot and stick approach. Players need to work hard every single day to even get five, ten minutes because then when you step up to that five, ten minutes, then you have to show your worth in that to then get more than that. And it just kinda it's almost like a meritocracy. Um and it's not groundbreaking, you know, I'm sure loads of managers do it, but Neil Lennon's tended to be very, very strict on that. So I wouldn't imagine we would diverge too far from that. How did uh, how did Sorrow look yesterday? And is he one that you would say is in that in the first team, or is he kind of still kind of unsure whether he's ready? Because it sounded like he had, he was getting some good reports. I, I thought Sorrow looked decent. I thought I think he's looked pretty promising in all all I've seen of him in the preseason, and I think that he's perhaps slightly further up the pecking order just in terms of maybe some of the experience that he would have had playing week in week out at what you'd have to assume is a higher level but I think that I don't think he's going to be I don't think it's going to be a tussle between him and Scott Brown for the jersey for example but I think that Soro could be trusted to go into that midfield whether it's as a first sub or whatever you're Celtic are kind of spoiled for 
for choice in the middle of the park. So it is going to be tough for him to put his sort of stamp on things. But from what I saw of him, he looked very promising. I think he's there's a skill set there. And point Allen makes about earning game time, you could probably see in some of the the um, the pre-season games that what we've seen of him, he, he might have earned some game time. But the proof will be in the pudding in terms of competitive game for these guys. Do you know what I mean? Um, but he certainly didn't do himself any harm. I mean, we were talking about a few weeks ago about some people writing him off and writing Clamal off. I've seen enough from the two of them to think there's something there. You know, there's potentially they could be good players. Clamala looks quite raw, I think. Um, you know, he's only 21, um, but and there's still, a, you know, there's 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 polish he needs to put to his game. But I thought there's something he can work on there. And Soros the exact same. He showed some good qualities in terms of ball retention and things like that. Um, but we'll only know when they're playing in games that matters. Um, and I think that's a caveat for a lot of these guys, you know. I think just on um, on Soro, he, he, I thought he played really well against Hibson. It didn't do himself any harm in France. I, I don't know how much I would like to receive a pass off him though. The weight of pass is something he just needs to work on a wee bit. It's um, I don't know if anyone's ever played FIFA and you've got a button stuck and it just holds it until it maxes it out. But he fires that ball in at you, so everybody's touch better be on point. But no, I think he's um, he's looking sharp. His big problem is though, he's got he's got Scott Brown. And that's the only position he can probably realistically play as as a number six. Um, and I don't see any reason why why Neil Lennon would leave Scott Brown out in a competitive game. It does seem that um, over the you know the two games that we had um, in the last few days, the, the Ross County game, which the the first team kind of played, and the, the Hibs game, it seemed to be that we learned more and got more from the Hibs game. Um, obviously, from a fitness point of view, the, the first team that they got more from the the Ross County game, but I think it was good to see some of these players. Um, it was obviously that both games were streamed for the first time on the new platform for season ticket holders. The season tickets have now sold out today. Um, they've sold more than I think they usually do because of the circumstances, um, which is great news. It's great to see so many people have backed backed the club to the hill and and paid you know full whack for their tickets. You would you would hope that the club would then you know put their money into their hands in their pockets and spend a bit of money and, and get these signings over the line. Um, very briefly, Alan, you had a wee bit of trouble in the first game. Did, was it a wee bit better in the Hibs game in terms of getting on and, and watching the game? Yeah, um, you know, no issues at all on Monday. Uh, Monday half one kickoffs. obviously. Uh, I'm not sure how much of a stress test that was. But yeah, uh, Sunday wasn't ideal. I was looking forward to the game. Missed the first 35 minutes, but... Um, Providing there's no issues this weekend, then I'll probably not bring it up again. I'm very much in a positive mindset today. Um, I did take the big half on Sunday, though. Um, absolutely. And I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that. Aye. Understandable. Um, so, I think that's all, the, that's all the kind of minor stories out of the way. We now need to focus on the fact that we are going for 10 in a row. Um, it feels very surreal to say after all the years of, um, you know, you know, we kind of went so long just saying, you know, let's just get an X one. You can't think about 10 in a row yet. You can't think about 10 in a row yet. Well, now's the time. Now we can think about it. The season starts for us on Sunday. Um, we are playing Hamilton at home in the first game of the season, the season where we're going to try and achieve 10 in a row. Firstly, just thoughts on the fact that it's the 10 season. I mean, it, it, 
I sometimes it's just I'm sitting watching telly or you know sitting in other places and suddenly it comes into my mind oh my god we're going for 10 in a row it, it does seem very surreal doesn't it the, what, what's everybody's kind of overriding emotions going into it is it nerves is it excitement I mean I've I'm probably good both of them in equal measure I think I don't have anything yet I'll be honest with you it's just Jesus Christ I'm okay, never recording my podcast <laughs> no no, no I'm making the people hyped Let's be honest, I'm being honest, right? I think it'll become real when the season starts, and I know that sounds daft, but see all this, the lockdown and all that sort of stuff, it's just kind of stalled, it's not stalled, stalled that a wee bit for me. Um, I know we're playing on Sunday and I'm really, really looking forward to it, but it still seems, it seems a wee bit in the future. It's almost like it's not quite sunk in that this is the new season starting and we're going for it, so... um, you can provide the hype, lads. Right now, I'm just kind of, well, but I'm sure that will change very quickly. Thanks, uh, thanks for that. Well, Alan, Alan, looking forward to it, or is it just um, fuck girls? No, I'm, I'm probably in middle ground between um, Samani's catatonic state and Louis, you know, being a, unable to move off the toilet pan with nerves. Um, I'm probably somewhere in the middle um, of that. I think what I'm probably looking forward to now most is just getting started because I think when we keep just talking about going for the 10 going for the 10 that tends to fill me with with a lot of nerves whereas I think when you actually boil it down to game by game and you just think about winning one game moving on to the next it becomes a lot more achievable um, especially when you boil it down to the kind of players we've got we've got the strongest squads everything really is in our favour and and we really do just need to get started with games um, and get start with a big win on Sunday and you know what then it just goes on to who's next on the calendar and I think when you start doing that this team have shown over the last three four years that they have an immense ability to just go game from game and just win and get things over the line Um, and I think if they can start in that same vein and they can keep a lid on the, the 10 thing I think I'll feel a hell of a lot better, but starting to get nervous now because it's we don't really have any control over it, and I think as fans, that's the the most difficult thing, especially more so than ever this year. I, I was excited until I heard Samani, and now just don't know what to think. Yeah, anymore. I don't even like football anymore. <laughs> no, no, come on, come on, we all move at our own pace. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I have a sort of tempered excitement about it when we were watching um, Liverpool win the league the other night or get their trophy. Sorry. And they were just talking about what what an achievement it was and how long it had been and blah, blah, blah. And I, it just got me so fired up. I was like, oh my God, to think in a year, like in a season's time, that, that could be us celebrating 10 in a row. It was, it was not that they'll let us go up and get the trophy and that, but you know, you know what I mean. Um, and I was just, just very excited about it all. But I'm expecting it to be a tough season just because I think that there's going to be a lot of distractions and a lot of shit stirring, more so than usual. You're already starting to kind of see it. Um, Charlie, Charlie Nick today was talking about it and all that, like the pressure of 10 in a row and how Celtic will struggle playing behind closed doors, all that shit. Alan's quite right when he says that Celtic have the best squad. Everything is very much within Celtic's uh, capacity to go and win that league. They are serial winners in that team. They've got the best team compared to any other squads. And... I think they've got a manager that's not going to allow them to be distracted by a lot of the outside noise. So I think it's just going to be tight just because I think that you're going to see a lot of regression from a lot of the teams in the league. And that 
I don't think you're going to see quite that level of regression from Rangers. So it's going to make derbies really important. It's going to make that sort of handling of the pressure very important. But notoriously, they're not tremendous at that. So we're, I know what I was, what I was going to say. I mean, what are people's expectations of, of how it's going to pan out? I mean, I know it's... It's a difficult one to gauge, as you say, the other teams, you know, we could just steamroll over the other teams and it all really comes down to the head-to-head games. Um, I don't know, though. I don't know. I think especially with, obviously, there's been the news this week that Morelos um, could be off um, to France. You know, I think if that happens, um, I think that would really play into our hands in a massive way. I mean, yes, they might be able to go out and strengthen buying a good player coming in, but they're not going to be him. They're not going to come in and have the effect that he has. They might take longer to get up to speed. You don't know, you know, how necessarily how any player that comes in is going to play. I think he is a player that they can depend on for their goals. He will score goals. All right, he doesn't score them against us, but in the league he will. I think if they lose him, I think they might have a... I could imagine them having a shaky start. I suppose it all kind of goes back to is the pressure on us or is the pressure on them? I think it's... Obviously, it's on both of us a hell of a lot, but I think I think they could potentially have a bit of a shaky start. Them going away to Aberdeen um, in the first game, I know there's not the, you know, the noise in, in terms of the fans being there and the atmosphere and things, but... That could work either way as well. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I, I, I would like to think we are better placed to deal with everything, not just the pressure, but the lack of fans and, and all that sort of thing. I think we will deal with it better. Um, but I don't know. What, what was how, do, how does everybody else feel at this point, how it, how it could potentially play out? I think they'll hit the ground running. I think that's the way that they're set up. I think that's what they tried to do last season in terms of... I think, seeing the last two seasons when they've tapered off, I think a lot of that was to do with the style of play that they've got in terms of the intensity that they played at. And I think that it's very difficult to keep that up over the course of a season. That's my feeling anyway. So I, I, I think at the start, we'll probably be both going neck and neck in terms of that. On Morelos, though, I think that Morelos is really, really important in terms of the way they play, in terms of the way they set up. And repl- if he does go, replacing him will be difficult. That's not necessarily about goals, by the way, because he, he hit the net a lot in his first half, part of last season, don't get me wrong. Um, he tapered off at the second part of the season, but the whole thing about for me with Morelos is shape for them. Defoe couldn't play in the same way that Morelos could Um and I think if they are going to get, uh, if they, they get rid of him, it might be difficult to get another player in that could complement their ship as much. So that would be where the real issue was for me, for them. Um, I mean, a lot of people say he's, he's garbage or whatever. I think he's got, certainly he's got deficiencies in his game. But it was a, a nuisance. I thought he had good movement and stuff like that. So I much prefer that he's not playing for them than, than he is. Um, but I think in terms of the way that they set up, Losing him would be a, a big blow to him. Especially so close to the start of the season. You know, we're talking about what a, what a lift it's going to be having a, a European quality first choice goalkeeper coming in and potentially an additional striking option. It's the, I suppose it's the equivalent of Edward walking away like two or three days before the season's due to start. Just mentally, psychologically, that's got to be a blow for the fan base and you've got to worry about how they'll be replacing him. Um, I do worry that you know, his his goals 
you know, they could be, he just has this sort of X factor, both good and bad. I think that he's probably been at the root of a lot of the bad things that have happened at that club and a lot of the dissent and maybe dissension in the ranks. So perhaps removing like a, a, a problematic element like that could allow them to focus a wee bit more, but you just don't know. He has kind of been their main man and, and for better or worse, that level of instability so close to the start of the season won't be helpful. I mean, they're, they've made a couple of signings um, already, um, but really Hadji is the, the only quality one and he was already there before. So, you know, their team for starting this season is pretty much the same team that ended the last season. Obviously, with the caveat of Morelis might go, they might bring someone else in. Um, do you think they'll... I mean, do you think they'll learn from? I don't think it. I don't think there's anything wrong with, by the way, focusing on them for for a couple of minutes because at the end of the day, they are going to be the ones that are the difference between us, you know, doing the ten or not. They'll be the challenge. Uh, you know, is anybody particularly worried, or do you think that they'll will they have learned from what happened last year? I mean, we've kind of been waiting on it. It's last chance saloon, really, for Gerard. He's got to get it this time, and they can't afford to be. You know, getting to the turn of the gear in a good position and then flatline again. And I, I don't personally expect that to happen. I don't think it's going to work like that. I think they might be a wee bit more up and down over the piece, but I think they'll be probably a bit more consistent again in the second half of the season. What's everybody's thoughts? I think the the kind of important thing, um, first of all, is that we, we can all have a bit of fun and We've, we've had a, I had a lot of fun at Rangers' expense over the last few years. I've been a big fan of it. I'd be happy for it to continue again. But the one thing you can't do is is they are the, the biggest obstacle to, to what we're trying to achieve. So don't underestimate them. Don't do that in the slightest. Um, it's fine having fun when we've won it or when we're you know 20 points clear. But you need to start with a clean slate and go into this season with everything that's at stake. You need to be aware that this is going to be a long, difficult season. And I think Samani, I think, made the point about them changing their style of play. The one thing they need to do is find another way to win because they had a way that was working very, very well. But then when that stopped working, they struggled a little bit and they didn't have a backup. Now, we've got that because we've got goals from different areas of the team. We've got a couple of different systems. Rangers didn't have that. They might now be forced to go and really work on another way of winning because if you take him out of that, you're then going to have to find something different. And I think they will. And I think the plan is now to have less emphasis on the striker and have more emphasis in the two behind him, obviously Kent and Hadji. And I think that that will be that will be that will be the primary way of playing this year. And and it then just comes down to who they bring in. And I think if they do get a fee from else, I think they will go and bring in. Know, another striker, I think that's no question, but um, I, I'm a nervous Celtic fan, absolutely. Um, growing up in that kind of 90s era, um, you know, Cynic Bingo, say all that, but I, I'd, I'd always, always think that. And at the start of a season, I'm always nervous, and I have been the last two or three years. Um, so I hope that taking that same position again, and I hope if the, the team take the same position, then don't underestimate them in the slightest because that's what Rangers did in, in 98. Richard Goff was going about giving it. 10, 10, 10. I seen that video kicking about the other day again when we scored a goal. I don't want to see any of that this year. When 10 or 0 happens, we can sing sing about it then, but not before. So, Manny, do you want to be involved? Or? Yeah, totally agree. I've, I've been consistent in saying that. Your biggest um, challenge this season is complacency. 
and the assumption that we're just going to bowl them over. I mean, it was only two, three years ago we were putting five past them at Ibrox, but you'd be lying if you said that that hasn't completely changed now. That's we're not; they're not in that position. Um, you're right. We need to concentrate on 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 the job, and it's there's an interesting point that Alan made about them having to find a different way of winning. Exactly right, because Gerard subscribed to the Ronnie Dyla method. Plan A doesn't work. Make Plan A work. Um, no, that's not worked for the last two seasons. It's not just last season. The season before, they tapered off completely as well because when one thing worked and then it stopped working, combination of fatigue and other teams figuring them out, they didn't know what to do. So they'll probably come, you know, doubly armed for this season. And I don't want to see any of that either. Ten fingers and stuff like that. We've got a job to do. Complete and utter focus on the job. No complacency. That's what we need. We've obviously got um, Dundee United are in the league. It was all confirmed today with the arbitration panel uh, ruling that Hearts are indeed going down and uh, Dundee United are starting um, this weekend in the Premiership. Um, On to the game at the weekend. Obviously, um, as we mentioned, Rangers are away to um, to Aberdeen on Saturday, um, which, you know, you would hope would be a tough first game for them. Um, I don't know. I, I can't claim to know what state Aberdeen are in just now, to be honest with you. But you would hope that um, you know all all the teams are going to be wanting to start off start off the season in the right tone, and hopefully Aberdeen will be wanting to do that, especially being at home, although not with any fans um, to their advantage. But um, you know, you've got to be hopeful that maybe they can take something off them. We're obviously starting against Hamlin on Sunday. Um, starting 11, if Barkas comes in, if Barkas comes in, signs tomorrow, trains Thursday, do you play him on Sunday or do we just go with Bain? I mean, personally, I think it would be a bit rushed. I know it's Hamilton, um, so it shouldn't be a massive test for him, but then I'm kind of the opinion, well, surely Scott Bain would be all right for a Hamilton game. Um do we give him a wee bit of time to bed himself in, or do we? Do anybody throw him in? I think that I would be quite happy seeing Bain in goals on Sunday, given the level of the opposition and the fact that it does give you just a bit of a through line from the preseason preparations. I'd be very surprised if Lennon plays anything other than that first eleven that he's been playing. We could debate the Encham Christie thing till the cows come home, but I think that for just now, I think that that's where Lennon sees his strongest eleven, and that's that's who's going to play. What I would say, though, is that I wouldn't be surprised if Barkas played. I was I remember being surprised that Forster came straight in to the team when he'd signed, so he's kind of got previous for it. And maybe if he can train on Thursday, then they'll see that it's not, not too much of a problem. I don't know whether... I mean, Scott. I have kind of given Scott Bain some thought today because I think Scott Bain's probably been well aware that he's not going to be first choice and that they are going to bring someone in but it must feel pretty shite as well to just think that that's you back to riding the pine for the rest of the season so I wonder whether he'll be given the, the Hamilton game almost out of respect more than anything else um, I'm going to Alan's f- furiously shaking his head to say that this I'm, I'm, I'm going to come in like uh, Roy Keane on uh, Sky Sports here <laughs> just, just, just play the best goalkeeper if he comes in and he looks better goalkeeper's a different position to any other you know your relationships with your centre-halves and your full-backs more so Um if, if he comes in, you know, he impresses in training, he's fit, he's sharp, he's did a full pre-season, I think that might be the biggest question, but play your best goalkeeper. Um, treat this like 
any other game. Um, three points is massive on Sunday, so you know you, you just never know. Um, I, I wouldn't be particularly concerned about Scott being playing, but if Barkas comes in, looks better, and he's fit and ready, you know, start him. Yeah, history will says that Lennon will do that. Did it with Forster. I, I, reading between the lines, I don't think he's particularly impressed with Bain, so I, I think if Barkas comes in, assuming he's fit and ready, he might, he might, that might not be Hamilton, but the idea that he wouldn't then play in the week after or something like that, that won't happen, I don't think. We will, of course, um, next week... Um... Next week we'll have a look and obviously review the game and then then look ahead to the next one. Before we finish up, um, we have been a, ran a wee bit over tonight, but I want to get to some of the questions. Um, we've had loads of questions on both Flickchat and uh, Twitter. Um, Flickchat, you can get on if you are part of the Patreon service. The Patreon is wonderful. I mean, I don't know if I've mentioned this. Um, I feel like I mention it all the time. It is the greatest. Um, so if you're not a, a subscriber and you like what we do at the Cynic, you should uh, definitely sign up. Um, but on the flag chat, it's kind of like a forum, basically. Um, we have some questions. Um, KevD89 asks, how are the nerves amongst the panel for this season? I think we've kind of covered that, that I'm shitting myself and somebody couldn't give a shit, to be honest with you. Um, do That's you think we need that anymore? I appreciate that. Thanks. Do we need any more signings um, with possibly a Jetty and Barkas coming in? We've kind of already spoke about it, obviously. Um, left back, I think, is the priority. Is there anybody else, or anyone that comes to mind, either a left back or any other player that anybody would like in? Personally, I would like to see David Turnbull signed, I think. Um, I can understand why we're maybe going to possibly wait a wee bit and, and see how he gets on the first couple of games, but I think he's the best of the Scottish talent that there is. And, you know, we were going to sign him before. We still had the same midfield options then that we have now, um, with the exception of maybe a couple of fringe players. I'd like to see Turnbull brought in. I think, Louis, that touches on, you know, we've been very positive and and, and rightly so tonight because it's, it's been a very positive day. But I think it touches on one of the most important things and that I think there's a high likelihood that one, Key player this summer, um, but and I don't bring it up, especially towards the end when we've been having such good fun. But I think there's a high likelihood that Olivier Cham moves on this summer. Um, it wouldn't be my choice. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I, I think he's as important a player as some of the other guys have mentioned. I'd start him on Sunday as well, for that matter, um, for his contribution preseason. Um, but you need to then think about that. That you think we've got a strong midfield at the moment. You taking Cham out of that. And suddenly you start to look a bit thin there. So I think it's about identifying who would replace him. Uh, and I, I still think we're at least a, a centre-half shot, especially if we are considering playing three. I think we are we need another centre-half to compete with um, Chris Julien and Chris Ayer. And that's before you even get into the possibility of one of them going, um, or Chris Ayer specifically, I suppose. So, yeah, I, I think there's still work to do, certainly in the market. Um, it's been a positive start, but still a long way to go for me. Anyone else? Any any players that anybody's desperate to sign? Or I, I think that the the length of the transfer window will be interesting because if, for example, you do get you know five games into the season and then Ayer moves on, you do still have time to replace him. But it, I think that you want to the club to be still doing work in the background so that it's nothing really reactionary um, or desperate trying to get any old body in uh, because obviously. Players like Ayer, players like Incham are going to be very difficult to replace for what they can offer to the team. 
Uh, so I, I don't doubt that I think they'll still be at least probably like three, three, maybe four, especially if they're going to utilize the loan market. Yeah, I think there'll be out, uh, outgoings as well as incomings. I mean, the idea that we sign a Yeti, Barkas, and then we got whatever another one or two in, and that would be a, we, we would be static. I, I wouldn't say that's the case. I think it very much depends on who goes out. Um, the length, the, the, the timing of the qualifiers changing as well as the length of the window is going to be quite interesting. I mean, how we hit those qualifiers is going to be strange. The fact that they're one-offs is, is, is going to be strange as well. But we've got a bit more of a break this time. Is that good or is that going to be bad? You know, there's all these things that play into it. And heaven forbid, if we do have a poor start to the season, you know, this is such a huge season, you might see us go right back into the transfer market to pull something out. So um, I think we've got a lot of income and we've got a lot more to go in this window, still about three months or whatever until it shuts. But I think it's important to get some bodies in earlier on and then see where we are. Louis, um, I think Sabani's talking themselves into, um, into a state of nervousness there. I think the moment just hit when it started to... Aye, I've I seen a change in his face there. See, when I used the words heaven forbid, I actually... <laughs> Yeah, a wee shiver so um, well spotted Alan well spotted um, Brian McManus um, he loves a troll on any platform he says how quickly will Louis throw Barkas under the bus after one bad game uh, just like any player um, Michel Bélanger um, I had to mention him because he you know even through the terrible episodes that we've had when we've had nothing to talk about, he's always backed us up with a question. Um, he said, how many honest mistakes will we be subjected to um, but by the linesmen uh, and the, the referees this year? And will Neil um, be telling the squad to account for this and in any way can adjust their play to mitigate any bad decisions from, from officials? You know, there's always going to be the conspiracy theories and, and things like that. I mean, every every trick in the book is going to come out to play this season to stop us from the media, to the officials, to everything is going to be done to stop Celtic winning this 10 in a row. Do we take that into account? Do we batter teams in, just in case? I mean, that's what I would like to do. Just go for it. Every, every game, just battle them. I think that's been one of the hallmarks of this kind of modern era Celtic team, to be honest. You see that with the cup dominance, whereby... They've, they've not allowed for a bad decision to knock them out of a, of a cup. Um, the best example I can think of in the league last season would be at Easter Road when they had two stonewall penalties knocked back and, you know, they, they only got a point and, you know, could they have done more? I think you just have to accept it. I think the standard of refereeing, whether, whatever side of a conspiracy theory you're on, the standard of refereeing and, and linesmen in Scotland is not very high. And and I can't imagine they've been they've been out doing much of a preseason for for the four months that five months that they've been without refereeing games. So who knows what we're going to get to begin with? But I part and parcel in it. Aye, I mean I, I I don't know how specific his instructions will be, but I would just like to make sure that if you know if we're in the ascendancy in a game, you know don't take a foot off the gas. Just try and get get ahead as far as possible so that none of these dodgy calls come into it. Um, we've had. Um, Two questions, one on Twitter, one on the flick chat, and it's they're both on the, the same kind of point. Um PP nineteen and BKK boy on Twitter both asked about um the fact that teams can now offer um fans to subscribe or stream games on a kind of um pay per 
pay-per-view basis, I suppose. Um, we've seen a range, I think there's a range of, of prices been put out by different teams. I think I was listening to, um, you know, everybody's probably going to slag me here, but I was listening to this uh, Sports Sound podcast earlier on and they were, somebody was saying on it that um, some, all but one of the, the Premier League teams are using the same provider and yet there's no consensus on how much it will cost to stream the games, even though they're all coming from the same kind of source. I mean, I can't imagine Celtic selling a pay-per-view game for the likes of maybe 12, 15 quid that some other teams are doing. It's going to be more than that, isn't it? I mean, how, how are they going to work it? And do you think it's... Is it the right way to go? I mean, I think from a money money making point of view, I think it is. Um, but there might be some people that think, you know, it's maybe not quite fair on those people who have invested in the season tickets. The problem is, sorry, Alan, the problem is exactly that. You would need to offer something significant that would offset the, the differential in cost between what people would legitimately pay for a stream and what season ticket holders have paid for each match. Now, that's... Some people won't care. Some people just wouldn't care. They, do you know what I mean? They're going to get into the stadium at some point in this season, so they're absolutely fine with that. But there's a lot of people out there who would be going, you're, I'm paying double that you're paying um, for the same thing. So seeing Leicester can square that circle and make some level of additional value for season ticket holders, then it's, I don't think we can do it. Because say you were charging 35 quid a stream, who's going to pay that? Nobody's going to pay that especially when they could probably find it somewhere else for free, you know. Um, could, you, could you point people in that direction, somebody, is it? No, but I'll point you in that direction. Oh, cheers, cheers. Never got about this season, sorry to hear. Uh, obviously, that's illegal and it wouldn't be anything I would know anything about, but it's... Um, aye. Allegedly. They can't do that. They can't. The, the problem is they can't do it. They can't charge a cheaper price than they would charge for season ticket holders and that's the issue. Yeah, they've somewhat backed themselves into a corner with that because it was a potentially a very lucrative stream of income. I think that when I'd seen it before, the only clubs that haven't agreed to it yet are Celtic and Rangers. And so I think that if you get, you know, 59, 60,000 season tickets sold, then unfortunately that has to be at the, you know... Did, did the SLO not say that we would be offering it? I thought I thought it was said that we that non-season ticket holders would be able to pay for pay for the games. I'm pretty sure originally it was said that Celtic wouldn't be offering non-season ticket holders um, pay-per-view matches, and as far as I'm aware, that's that's the last update we had. Um, as a season ticket holder, I probably wouldn't be that fussed. Kind of like Samani said, I wouldn't be that fussed if you know there was twenty pound a stream. I, I do get the impression though that it might be. I think Celtic are thinking that they're hoping to have people back in the stadium at some point this year. And I think the potential then for conflict, do they have the infrastructure, if say they did offer it, to you know have another 100,000 people or 50,000 people watching it? Um, I, I get the impression that the thinking's not going that far ahead. Um, but I suppose we might need to wait and see. But personally, if someone who is a non-season ticket holder had the option of getting it for 20 quid, it, it wouldn't really bother me because, you know, I pay my ticket so that I can get into the stadium um, and you know, I, I hope to get back into the stadium at some point this season um, You know, and, and the more people that can watch the games the better but I do understand that there is a, um, that, that some people may feel differently with that and you know, that's, that's entirely their, um, 
you know, that's up to them. Stuart, you, me and you both, neither of us have season tickets. Would you pay it? I mean, would you pay and how much would you pay? I'll be blatant. I'll be blunt here, even. I'm not paying for nothing. I'm getting some annies. I'm doing the dodgy. <laughs> I'm doing the dodgy. That £20 staying in my pocket. Hey, no if feels. you're doing the dodgy, I'm doing the dodgy. Um, well, essentially, yeah, can I'm just, not a season... Can I just state for the record, I have no idea what you two are talking about. Just, just in case you're... Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically hooked all the cynic up. It's great. But anyway, crack on, um, I mean, I don't have a season ticket, uh, mostly because when the way that I was my work is, I don't know when I'll be off at the weekends, etc., to to go and actually get forget the added value, get the normal value. So, whenever I have the opportunity to go to a game, I will just buy a ticket outright anyway, which is normally around thirty quid or something. So, if the offer was there for twenty quid a stream, and it wasn't going to be on Sky, and I wasn't going to have to put up with the faff of like trying to find a, a stream somewhere. And also that you're kind of giving back to the club, then I would definitely pay twenty pounds. But I do understand why that's not necessarily fair to season ticket holders that are having to pay more to retain their seat just for me to get the exact same product that they're getting. Um, but I will be open to anyone giving me their virtual season ticket should they not be able to make a, make the game. So just at Stuart Point O on Twitter if uh, if you ever need to hook me up. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely dead as well. Um, listen, before we before we finish up, just quickly, you know. Give us a prediction for the weekend. Hamilton on Sunday. Samani, I'll come to you first. You can do your big, long, drawn-out thing if you're excited enough. Celtic. Five. Hamilton. One. Scott being error. <laughs> Scumbag. Stuart. Uh, I think that Celtic are going to run out comfortable 4-0 winners and I think that Johnny Hayes is going to score a winner at Aberdeen as well because he's a legend. Alan? 7-0. I think we're going to absolutely pummel them. Can you clarify that that's to Celtic, please, Alan? I will confirm that I believe that it will be 7-0 to Celtic. Arkas has the worst debut in recent memory, (laughs) shipping seven goals. 5 nothing at half time and then a, a, a respectful second half where we went to nothing, but we also doffed the cap to, to Hamilton because you know they're a nice wee bunch. Aye, 7 nothing. Um, I, I'm not going to lie, I was going to say 7 nothing and all, so I'm going to revise mine down to 6. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Listen, it's, it's, it's despite what Sermani says, it's an exciting time to be a Celtic fan. Um, this is the start of the season um, and it's the start of the 10th season. Um, the Cynic Weekly is back. It's back with a bang. This has been a pleasure. Um, Sermani? Thank you for having me on the podcast of the proletariat. Thank you. I can't even say that word, so I'm glad you can. Uh, Alan Edgar? Thanks very much for having me, mate. And Stuart Duggan, Captain Handsome? It's always a pleasure to be on a people's podcast, so I'm very happy. We are the Cynic Weekly and we will speak to you down the road.